welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker and a comedian kick and punch and kick their way through the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our modern grown-up eyes to see how they hold up. Today we're talking about Bloodsport, a movie selection from 1988. Letterbox says, the true story of an American ninja. U.S. soldier Frank Dukes has come to Hong Kong to be accepted into the Kumite, a highly secret and extremely violent martial arts competition. While trying to gain access to the underground world of clandestine fighters, he also has to avoid military officers who consider him to be AWOL. After enduring a difficult training and beginning a romance with journalist Janice Kent, Frank is given the opportunity to fight, but can he survive? And be sure to hang out after the pod. Uh, If you are a member uh, through True Story FM, Nathan and Chrissy are going to be talking about our favorite action stars of the 80s and 90s. So stick around for that. Uh, But first, I'm Chrissy Lenz, director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And with me as always is... Nathan Blackwell, um, independent filmmaker, um, podcaster. Uh, I also teach one class a semester at uh, Glendale Community College's film department. Ooh, that's exciting. Summer break. Summer break. Ooh. Kumite is the time is what we do on the summer break. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> have you seen a blood sport before? Yes. So... <laughs> So I have, a, I have a, my history, um, you know, it's like, I, I'm sure we'll get the, into this more in the bonus segment, but it kind of ended up being like, there were two camps in the 90s. There was Van Damme or Seagal, you know, and I'm ah. sure there are enjoyers of both, but I, I ended up being very firmly in the Van Damme section. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's... Um, I'm sure I, I'm sure when I saw it, it was probably late teens with my friend Shay, you know, um, we would watch those kind of Kung Fu films. Um, and, you know, it's like, OK, I, I would always confuse Bloodsport and Kickboxer, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a couple couple years later, it's like, oh, you know what? I, I'm I've seen. I'm seen. I've seen them. Um, I'm sure the one I saw had a lot of kickboxing, so I'm sure I've seen kickboxers. So I watched Bloodsport this time, so I see both of them. And I ended up, it's like, oh, no, this was the one I watched. And mm-hmm. that's happened multiple times. So I, I you know, even, even for the podcast, it's like, oh, okay, cool. I just watched Kickboxer like, you know, like a couple of months ago. So now I'm going to mm-hmm. see Bloodsport. I'm going to finish it. No. So I've only seen Bloodsport like four times in Kickboxer, like zero times. I keep getting <laughs> confused. And every time I try to see the other one, I only just see Bloodsport again. It's just like Bloodsport is the only one. I What even is Kickboxer? I've never seen Kickboxer. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I I mean, they were back to back. So like one, this one was what, 88? Kickboxer was 89. I'm sure it was right off of the heels of, of this because this was Bloodsport was kind of a, a sleeper hit, you know? At this yeah. point, Van Damme really hadn't done. This was like his breakout role, you know? Yeah. Um, And so it's like, oh, we got to get another. Let's. <laughs> Canon Films, which, you know, God bless them. 
let's get another one in production next month, you know. Um, What's it about? The same thing. I don't know. I'm sure there's kickboxing. There might be a sport. Uh, I don't. I, I think it's about. There's probably blood. Just like check, checking with IMDb right now. I think he's trying to revenge his brother in, uh, in with kickboxing. Of course, like you do. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that this was a true story. Right. And and then going forward, we need to use we need to use the true story in parentheses throughout everything. Yeah, um, because it's all based off of the account of a guy who said he was a secret CIA agent and then fought in underground kickboxing leagues. This is Frank Dukes, and after you know, so it was like, wow, that's impressive. And then I think everyone just kind of gradually realized that he was just making everything up. Right. Well, at the, at the end of the movie, they show you all these statistics, like his fastest knockout was in 15 seconds. And yeah, he fought I, I, 387 kickboxing battles. And I think you should uh, go in under the assumption that everything is 100% made up. <laughs> okay. All right. So we start this movie with a one of many montages. It's a montage of people training for the Kumate and all of their mm-hmm. different training styles. Uh, so there's kicking, there's slicing coconuts, there's throwing things. <laughs> there's uh-huh. So I, I have one piece of IMDB trivia to read. Okay, what uh, is and it? And it says at the t- and who knows if it's true. At the time of release, Bloodsport boasted uh, uh, the most montages in any film ever. <laughs> yeah. This movie the, uh, is one big montage. The director pushed the boundaries of the form so far that included a montage montage. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Test audiences were so taken with the format that the lack of discernible plot was overlooked by most audiences. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a plot. There's it's true. Stuff that happens. It's true. Um, it's, it's very short, but I mean, is. you don't really. I mean, you don't really need it. I mean, really, what this movie is is it's it's Street Fighter the movie. Yeah. What well, street? What Street Fighter the movie should have been, you know, or Mortal Kombat the movie, you know. Um, it's it's uh, Frank Dukes. He's kind of the Johnny Cage slash Guile from Street Fighter character who's in the military he's sucked into it it's an international um group of of fighters all with their own uh international gimmick mm-hmm. uh, who all have to then fight for the grand prize of i guess it's just the it's just the prize of having one there's like no prize prize everyone's after like the victory of you know like of being the best well, there's a sword. He gets a sword. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Yeah. They hand him a fancy sword at the end when he wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, they keep a, talking about... a gift bag. Yeah. There's a lovely gift bag. Everybody puts something in. There's something from all the nationalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dukes is going to Hong Kong. Everyone knows he's going to Hong Kong. The military is like, you're not allowed to go to Hong Kong. And he's like, cool cool be right back and he just runs away from them i have to take a one week shower 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and, which... and let let let's, uh, let us not forget there was like a fifteen minute backstory segment where we're following a a young Frank Dukes. And, yeah, and that's why yeah, that comes next. This. Yeah. So once he escapes from the military people, he goes to visit his uh, mentor. And I, I tell you, I didn't realize that this was all flashback. Obviously, when he's a young kid, <laughs> it's a flashback. Uh-huh. Right. But then he becomes an adult man and we're still in the flashback. He's still in this training montage flashback. The flashback lasts like 20 minutes. There's there's we- multiple multiple times in the movie that he just looks a direction and then we we travel into a montage and it intercuts with him still looking. So there's a lot of, of the movie that's just his memory. Right. But I love his facial expressions. Um, it's like <laughs> my favorite thing about dancers or cheerleaders is when they make those like very surprised, uh, very happy, very into it faces uh, as they're doing their routines and stuff. And like Jean-Claude Van Damme is like doing that this whole movie. He's, his facial expressions mm-hmm. are just the best. He's like, this is my flashback montage face. Mm-hmm. This is my uh, do the splits face. Yeah. This is my do the splits punch you in the balls face. Uh, and it's it's uh, truly a, tr- a treat and a delight. But we spent like the first half hour of the movie all in flashbacks, basically. Montages and flashbacks and flashback montages. <laughs> mm-hmm. We He had a friend who he would train with. Yeah. And that friend died, and that's why he's gotta go to the Kumite. So so he was based so he he was caught stealing, uh trying to steal this sword, a bunch of friends. They were all dressed up like they were modern, like from the eighties, nineties kids, even though technically as I guess it's supposed to be the seventies. Um right. and so he got caught, and instead of him getting in trouble, he decides to be the sparring partner of that kid. Uh, whose dad caught him it was it was the dad's house the dad ultimately ends up training him and he's played by lao she from the temple of doom that's right guys he's back he's back Uh, um and so it's great to see him in another movie and to see him like get a bunch of lines because i've just he's just been iconic as that temple of doom character but that's i mean he's got what just a couple of lines in that Mm -hmm. um but yeah so the so the son uh who he's supposed to basically just be a sparring partner with for i guess like 10 15 years um yeah. he, he just ends up dying and then van dam says no please train me i will honor i will honor your son i will honor you please i need something and uh the training consists of catching goldfish yes being drawn and quartered Yes. Uh, doing lots of splits mm-hmm. and serving yeah. the blindfolded. I think we see the moment that he gains his ability to do the splits. 
like the classic Van Damme moment because he's like literally being drawn and quartered. And at one point he then is able to do the splits and he kind of achieves harmony. And Lao She is like, is like flabbergasted. And now he's kind of like leveled up and gained that new ability, which he will then use, I think like six or seven times. Like, I think that, I think this is the most splits he does in a single movie, which is like seven. Wow. Uh, it's impressive. I'm into it. <laughs> there's only there's only one bit of nudity in this whole movie, and what is it? I didn't notice any nudity. There's oh, nudity? Yeah. Uh huh. Van Damme buns. It's 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 in each of his movies. He has to not only do the splits, but he he has to get a bun shot in. Oh, um, I I must have like I must have gone to get mm-hmm. popcorn. I didn't notice any buns. Oh yeah. I miss were... buns. You miss buns. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a time code there somewhere. Aww. Um but yeah, I mean he has to get his buns into each of these movies. And I'm sure that there's like a direct like, you know, conversion for lady action for every time he does that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's where his mindset is. It's interesting, like to think like this is like the next like you had like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, kind of the birth of the modern action movie hero. But then you've got the next generation, which is kind of like Seagal and Van Damme. And it's so interesting that the like I feel like there's some similarity that like Seagal and Van Damme are so much about just building their brand or are are kind of Mm -hmm. superficial about it, you know? Yeah. Where I felt like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, they understood that they were an actor who had to kind of change during different phases of their life. But it just felt like Seagal and Van Damme were just always trying to, like the movie was less important than their image. Right, I think so too. That's why some of the, that's why the movies are so similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just more of the same. Uh, so on the bus in Hong Kong, uh, Van Damme meets the big burly guy who ends up being mm-hmm. his best friend, Giant American. Yeah, which is nice because we get to see some wholesome, healthy masculinity between these two and their relationship. Yeah, uh-huh. there's there's a lot of bro love. I mean, there's yeah. a bunch of directions they could have gone with this, and it ultimately turns up to end ends up being a very platonic, goofy relationship. Yeah, which is great. It's really nice to see in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Some dudes who just like, hey, I'm a dude. You're a dude. Let's be buds. We're the only two white guys here. Let's be best friends. Mm-hmm. There's also a reporter who's at the hotel in the lobby being like, are you going to the Kumite? Who's going to the Kumite? I want to go to the Kumite. Will someone invite me to the Kumite? Mm -hmm. You mean the secret underground fighting competition? Yeah. Well, tell me about that. I want to go. I'm not a reporter. I'm undercover. (laughs) Which Mm -hmm. she gets into. She gets invited to it anyway. She's like trying to trick Jean-Claude Van Damme into taking her to the Kubite as like his plus one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she ends up getting in as someone else's plus one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that hard. 
Yeah, and then also, like, somehow, this is when I went up to get popcorn, somehow Jean-Claude gets kind of like a, a manager or like a promoter who's oh, just yeah, there at there the event. To, yeah, he's there to help them uh, make sure that they understand what's going on. Yeah. So he, yeah, so he's kind of like the, the contact, but he's also kind of there promoting and working his angles as well. Yeah. Because he wants him to win. Yeah. Uh, so we before we can go to the Kumite, there's two. Are they FBI guys? Forrest Whitaker and someone else are looking um, for Frank Dukes. Well, the, the, so they're involved with the military in which he ducked out in. But he may have. So I don't know if, if, if fictional Frank Dukes and real life fictional Frank Dukes um, were both like part of the CIA. Um, but if, yeah, it, it makes more sense if he's involved in a higher, <laughs> so I've seen this movie like four times and there's huge plot areas that I just can't remember that, yeah. because they don't stick to you. They're not significant to the enjoyment of the movie, you know? Um, and so my, my thinking is, or my, my own inner logic is that he is part of a, he's not just some military guy that you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't have these two, like, suits after him if he was just AWOL, you know? Right. Um, so he's got to be part of, like, some special special mission, special operations, CIA, undercover operative, etc. But, yeah. And they're, like, after him, and the, the sort of shtick that they're doing is that Forrest Whitaker is a real hothead. Mm -hmm. He's like... Mrs. Tanaka, you better tell us where he is. And the other guy's like, all right, chill. Yeah. Seeing Forrest was a big, big, but welcome surprise. Yeah. Uh, So the hotel guide guy takes them to the Kumite. But before there's like the pre is like the registration period for the Kumite. Mm -hmm. And in order to uh, really let Frank Dukes in, he has to break a bottom brick. Well, so a, the, a lot of these guys, it's kind of like by invitation only, or you have to be a certain house or pedigree. And so he's representing, um, what is it, Tanaka? What What is the, the, the name of his yeah. mentor? Yeah, Tanaka. Um, he, he's re- representing them. And, and it's like, yeah, you don't look like a, a Tanaka dude. So he has to show them like the secret Tanaka superpower ability mm-hmm. to prove that he is working for house Tanaka, you know, which yeah. is, I guess, exploding, um, specific bricks, not all bricks that you hit, but you know, like he, he's hitting a pile, but it's gotta be the bottom one that he blows up. So I guess that would yeah. be like an organ destruction power. An organ destruction power. Like, like it, you don't, you don't learn that appendix? just, yeah. You don't learn that just to like impress people with bricks, even though it ends up being the most handy thing. Um, like you would do that to like attack someone and then blow up something inside of them specifically, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which of course doesn't come back, but it's also a little immoral, you know, for, for, for what Frank Dukes does. So, yeah. Um, so then they're like, okay, you've proven that you can be in the Kumite. Uh, he meets Mm -hmm. the reporter girl because someone is trying to hit on her Mm -hmm. and he's like, here is how we will solve this. 
if I can snatch the quarter from your hand, I get the girl. And if mm -hmm. I can't snatch the quarter from the hand, then you get the girl. Yeah. And she's uh, just sitting there like, um, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's supposed to be an Arab bad guy played by a Chinese guy because they're yeah. filming in Hong Kong. There's a lot of uh, when we talk about movies that that don't it, it don't hold up, you know, with with um, racial issues and and things like that. This is this, this is definitely one of them. But you kind of care less because. It's about people kicking each other, you know, yeah. for some reason, yeah. like, like in like a, a, you know, like in the, in a John Hughes movie, if someone makes an off the cuff racism thing, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's a little too close to home. It feels a little too real. It feels kind of like the, the racial bias that, you know, us or our family or, or friends we knew had to deal with 20 years ago, et cetera. It's a little too real. But right. when it's like in in Bloodsport, for some reason it's like, oh, those goofy dummies. Yeah. You know? And you and you don't really get as upset, you know. It um, almost seems like a high school play uh, where it's like, well, this yeah, is it seems like kids running around. Yeah. It, it, probably the most you know, like the most probably the most egregious um one though was the the african fighter who um uh used um what i call racist style <laughs> it's kind of like a, a like a like a jungle monkey uh style of kung fu yeah he jumped around he mm -hmm. was the one who was like slashing at coconuts yeah there there's some very interesting fighters in this and you can kind of you can definitely see how this influenced um, a lot of like uh, fighting games, like Street yeah. Fighter and, and Mortal Kombat. Uh, speaking of that, the way he bonds with the uh, big American is that they play like Street Fighter together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. very cute. Yeah. He's like, you want to go again? Yeah. Although, although that's my, my least favorite like video game in a movie trope, which is. Someone who is good at something in real life and having that translate instantly to to like their first time playing a video game. It's like he's a great fighter. And so, of course, he's going to be naturally great at um, at <laughs> at a fighting video game, even though he's never played a video game before. Right. Yeah. Like it translates to moving the stick mm -hmm. up and down. Uh huh. Like, I know which button to push to do it. I would do a kick here, so I know which button to push to do the kick. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, but everything at the Kumite is a montage. Yes. Uh, the Kumite <laughs> is just a montage. We learn that Chong Lee is uh, the current reigning champion of the Kumite. Right. Play, played by the enormous Bolo uh, Young. Bolo, yeah, Bolo Young. It looks like he's been stung by multiple bees. Yeah. Um, but I love what I love about the montages is that the music is like very narrative. Like it has lyrics and the music is all like, <laughs> we're at the Kumite and people are fighting and you got to find love at the Kumite. It's like, <laughs> I just, I would love it if this was just played over their, their speakers as they're fighting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
Uh, meanwhile, the FBI, military, whatever, they're after John Claude Van Damme. And they have got these huge, enormous tasers. Yeah. Oh, the old school tasers were they had the prongs and the wires. So, so, they're, so they fired from a distance and they're connected by a metal wire. Yeah, and they're they're huge. They're like mm-hmm. the like size two, of a human like two head. 80, like two eighty cell phones strapped together. Yeah, uh, and they tell him you want to shit sparks, or no? They tell the big guy that. I don't know. They're chasing him. He leads them on a merry chase uh, through the streets of Hong Kong, mm-hmm. which is pretty great. Um, we go back to the Kumite. It's, it's such like, a goofy chase too, because he he outpaces them, and then he stops and does kind of a a really mugging, like "Hey, come on, hurry up!" and then runs away again. It does that multiple times. It's like they should be playing the Benny Hill theme song, <laughs> but instead it's a mm-hmm. it's music that's like he's leading a chase and they're running around. Bum, 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 bum. these military guys are fools um but we could just keep going back to the kumate eventually these two guys who are chasing him just attend the kumate <laughs> uh-huh all right you got us let's see what this is all about we'll hang out at the kumate mm-hmm. um there's a part where the reporter gets upset with him Oh, well, what happened is that Jackson fights Chong Lee. So the big American fights Chong Lee mm-hmm. and he's doing really well. But Chong Lee uh, beats him up so bad he goes to the hospital. Yeah. And so Chong Lee as a bad guy is really interesting because he it's not like he just wants to like crush everyone and be the best. Like he like he wants the audience's attention too. Like he like just like Jackson, who's like kind of like a pro wrestler, like Chong Lee wants to be the heel. He wants to be the villain. And he because he multiple times he turns to the audience to see what they're doing and plays to the audience. He wants to be um, the villain, you know, Mm -hmm. of the ring. Mm -hmm. He wants Mm -hmm. that attention. It's not enough for him just to win. Right. He should get his own montage where we learn about why he's such a butthead. Uh, but the, so then he goes on a sad train ride montage. There's a montage where just he's kind of, sad. He just turns and looks and then just Im- imagines all the terrible things he did that day to people <laughs> and then turns back. It's like, what? The- <laughs> what was that? Where was he? He just stared into the middle distance for <laughs> 10 minutes. What was that? He's got montage fever. Um, there's a sad train riding montage. Chong Lee eventually kills a guy. Right. Which it seems and, like he should get in more trouble for that. Well, he I think he did that last Kumite as well. I think that's his thing. That's his rep that he'll occasionally kill people. Oh, okay. If he feels it. Well, that's the only time that the the Kumite felt like it had any real danger, too, though. Yeah, and, and then it's technically part of the rules, but also the Kumite people at that point turned their backs on him to let them know that they weren't. They they thought it was totally uncool, man. Mm-hmm. So technically, I mean, it's full contact, no rules, 
or I believe it's no rules. But um, uh, I don't know that they say no rules, but they say full contact a lot. Right, right. Yeah, because so, yeah, there's got to be some rules because um, uh, there's a part at the end. I don't know if we want to jump there. We're, we're jump there. We're there. Chang Li does super something snooper, super sneaky. It looks like a guy st- stuffs a pill down his pants. And we're wondering, all right, what's going on here? And it, and it turns out it's a crushable blinding powder pill. Yeah. And and I'm sure if there were no rules, then he wouldn't have to be so sneaky. He wouldn't right. have to get that, that guy's hand down his pants. Nope. Um, he blinds Jean-Claude Van Damme with this dust. Right. And, and, um, and the blinding... Uh, the blinding dust, which then recalls the it, it, in the training montage of him having trained in a, in another montage. Is he re- in a montage? Is he remembering something that happened in a montage? Yes. Do we actually see that moment? I don't think. I actually, I don't know if we do. Um, Where he's blindfolded. Right, but does he? During the blinding at the end, does he actually? Do we actually see that footage? Yes. Yeah, okay. we do. All right. We, so. Because it takes a while. He's like, "I'm blind. I'm blind." And he gets his ass kicked a little bit, and he's like, mm-hmm. "What can I do? I can't do nothing. I'm blind." Then right. he has to remember his flashback, right, of him as a as a young boy or a young man serving tea blinded. Hmm. And fighting blindfolded. And he's like, wait, I know how to do this. I can fight blindfolded. Uh, I am going to remember my montage training. And he he wins. He does Dukes. a foot. Dukes, a remember foot your tornado. montage. He does a foot tornado. The mm-hmm. FBI guys are there like cheering him on. The reporter is there cheering him on. And he wins the Kumite. Congratulations. That's the, he's there like, here's your sword. He goes to the hospital and he's like, hey, my big friend, I mm. won the Kumite and I love you. And I'm surprised like, that they didn't. Too. They, uh, I'm surprised Chong Lee didn't kill Jackson. And then yeah, he's me still too. alive. You know, but by, they would have raised the stakes. And I think most movies would have done that. But on the upside, you got you get a happier resolution. Yeah, you know, I was really glad that there was a like a, a that this movie wasn't too serious, like that yeah. they didn't the, kill the friend. Yeah. Um. Because, but they he takes his Harley Davidson neckerchief, mm-hmm. and it's like a big deal <laughs> that he's got the Harley Davidson neckerchief, and he like squeezes it. Chong Lee like squeezes it in his fist. And then at the end, when Jean-Claude Van Damme gives it back to Jackson, he's like, anywhere you go, my friend, if you need me, I'll be there. You brought me back my Harley Davidson neckerchief. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful friendship. I mean, there's not much you can say about this movie because it's all montages. (laughs) But there's also a lot of love, too. There's a lot of love. 
there's a love scene with the reporter. I guess that must be where the buns come in. Yeah, it's post it's post love scene and there's no nudity for her, but she turns around and looks and he's slowly pulling his his underwear up. Oh, right, 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 right. That makes perfect it, sense. And he's he's oiled too at the time. Well, that's he has to oil himself every right. every day. Mm-hmm. He's got to be oily. Um, so on a scale of one foot tornado, or well, let's say this on a scale of one Harley Davidson neckerchief mm-hmm. to ten Harley Davidson neckerchiefs. Mm-hmm. How many neckerchiefs do you give Bloodsport? I had a hard time. I kept, yes, I, I really waffled a lot. Right, I'm so, I'm still so, waffling. So let okay. So let's let's include multiple asterisks on here. So I'm going to rate it more in the the library of all of our reviews rather than a review for this kind of movie. You know, okay. for this kind okay. of movie, you can't really do better. You know, I'm I'm sure you can do better, but this is solid right up right up down the lane. You know, for a kickboxing, you know. 80s 90s style action movie you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so i i think but otherwise i think i get it in terms of just general enjoyment comparing it against all movies i think i'm gonna go a little high and give it a seven um okay. but yeah i but otherwise for this kind of movie you 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 can't go wrong right and I I think that you're totally right about that. Um, it's I kept waffling and saying, okay, but you can't give this a seven if Mannequin <laughs> is a seven because mm-hmm. Mannequin is so much more fun than this movie. And it's like, well, well but this I, movie yeah. is fun. It's just fun is its own way. Yeah, well, that's the problem with giving movies numerical value, you know? Right. Like, you can be in the mood for a movie that's a seven and want to see that every week, you know, and yeah. not want to re-see Die Hard or, or Raiders of the Lost Ark every week, you know? Right, right. Um, So I think I landed at six and a half, though, just slightly mm-hmm. lower than you. Because... I mean, yeah. I mean, if you base it just on, on the quality of, like, dialogue and and writing and character development this is obviously way lower than a six and a half yeah but but i love jean-claude van damme and i love his like little cutesy facial expressions so (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that's ultimately why it's like it's you know why i'm more van damme than seagal because he's a little goofy you know yeah he's very goofy and i love it yeah, exactly. It's it's he a good thing. To be, he seems like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Right. At least his persona is a little more is a little more light. It's a little more charming. You know. Yeah, I agree. Um. So, what about a deep cut recommendation? Uh. What uh were you thinking about <laughs> as you watched? Bloodsport? Mine is ver- mine is very simple. I think if you like Bloodsport, you should check out Kickboxer. Oh, that's so, so deep. So deep cut. Um, how would you know you've never seen Kickboxer? <laughs> that's my my recommendation is if if you if you've seen Bloodsport, 
then maybe you should see Kickboxer. That's um, that's the recommendation I'm giving myself. Okay, maybe you'll see Kickboxer one of these days. Maybe. Um, I want to recommend the Netflix show Cheer. Mm. For a couple of reasons. One, because if you like to watch people do the splits, um, they do the splits a lot. You can learn learn the splits. And also because they do the great facial expressions like Jean-Claude Van Damme does uh, while they're doing their dances. So if you really enjoyed the facial expressions of this movie. Yeah. Then you will like Cheer on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because there's a lot of montages in it. Yeah, I, I would say if you if if you really if you've seen a bunch of Van Damme films, especially like this, but you haven't seen his movie JCVD or the Amazon show uh, John Claude v- uh, Van Johnson, then you should 100 percent do it because it's kind of a deconstruction of of Van Damme himself, you know. Uh, yeah, J- JCVD is yeah JCVD is more serious and he knocks it out of the park and for both of these I feel like someone convinced him someone outside came up with the idea it wasn't him originating the idea to kind of deconstruct his own brand mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but God bless him for doing it because both of them are pretty great yeah and you gotta you know pivot and become something else at a mm-hmm. certain stage, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you want more talk about 80s uh, and 90s action star from Nathan and Chrissy, stick around after the pod for the bonus content. If you're like, hey, how do I get that bonus content? Well, become a member uh, at True Story FM where you can find uh, all things Most Excellent 80s Movies podcast. Please subscribe, like, follow, rate, review, wherever you're listening. It really does help us. Um, It really does help people uh, find and follow us. Uh, Nathan, where can people find and follow your filmmaking? Uh, The best place is squishystudios.com if you want to check out uh, our feature film, The Last Movie Ever Made. Uh, and what's going on with that? That's a great way. Um, just the easiest way to also find our, our socials and things like that. But yeah, we're on Facebook and and Instagram and that that's that good stuff. Yeah. We're on Facebook and Instagram too at most excellent pod. Uh, please follow us, say hi, shoot us a gif or a thumbs up or something. Uh, you can also find me at the Neighborhood Comedy Theater, the place in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And please listen to uh, the other podcasts I have on True Story FM, Gank That Drank, a supernatural drinking game podcast, and the Cool Time Dice Hour, a live play RPG podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening. And while you're out there in the world, please keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Party on, dudes. <laughs>